Scripture was so good that we just can't pass it up and say, well, that was all over and done. Jeremiah 9, verse 24. Jeremiah 9, 24. But let him that glorieth... Well, I'm going to read 23, too. 23. Because we got... A list of uh, of the three famous types of people that glory in themselves. Thus saith the Lord: Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, and neither let the mighty man glory in his might, and let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth glory in this: that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Father, we've been here before, not just uh, last week, but time and time again, knowing that we're so indebted to Thee for opening our understandings, even just a little, to know our desperate need of a substitute, a redeemer, of understanding Thee, knowing Thee, uh, not glorying in the things of the world or not setting our ambitions and hopes and riches or in might or in power and fame but just to know thee is eternal life we pray thy spirit this morning to teach each heart here and each heart that listens to the tapes or to the CDs we just thank you that we have a a, a medium there to send a message out and but we thank you for this people gathered here this morning we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus amen uh, one of the things about missing church is if I say last week we had something and you weren't here you wouldn't have a clue what was going on but last week we took you to school to the University of the eternal life and we said there was two classes you had to attend in order to graduate. Class number one was to understand God. And class number two was to know God. Now you really can't know anyone unless you understand or know something about them. What we have today are three things about the Lord that he delights in. The first one is loving kindness, he says. second one was judgment. And the third one is, is righteousness. Now, knowledge or education is most critical in our normal lives. But if it's so important in our normal lives, it's much more important in our spiritual life. There are several classes you must take at this University of Eternal Life. And we just read them to you. But what most people understand about God they don't like God is holy man by nature is anything but holy a simple one verse description of mankind is in Isaiah 64 6 well let's take a peek at it Isaiah 64 6 it's back a few pages from where we are Isaiah 64 6 but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, 
And we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. An unclean thing, a filthy rag, yeah, that's what it says. And that results in man hating God's holiness. Uh, Turn to Romans 8 and look at verse 7. Now, we don't have to make up words to try to describe it. Paul tells us exactly the situation here in his scripture. Romans 8 and verse 7, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, and neither indeed can be. Why? Because you were born with a nature that just doesn't like God's holiness. Now, God hates not only sin, but Believe it or not, regardless of what the world says on their bumper stickers, God hates sinners also. Look at Psalm 5 and verse 5. Psalm 5, 5. The foolish shall not stand in thy sight. Thou hatest all workers of iniquity. Now that will help you understand God's absolute right to condemn sin and a sinner. Uh, And God makes the rules. The rules are in the book, and uh, here's one of the basic rules. It's in Ezekiel 18 and verse 4. Ezekiel 18, 4. It says, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine, and the soul that sinneth it shall die. God saying, I'm the creator. And every time a little embryo is formed, God creates a soul to go with it. He is the creator. The soul belongs to him. Okay, Uh, what happens when it sins? Uh, It says it shall die. In other words, there's uh, punishment attached to sin. Now, how do we know that that affects everybody? Well, you have to look at John 3 and verse 18. In John 3, 18, our Lord Jesus Christ is talking to a religious leader named Nicodemus who is a a very, very intelligent and very high up in the religious system of the Jews. And he's speaking to him and he says, He that believeth on him, talking about himself, is not condemned. Wow. Now, why would he even mention condemnation? Well, here's the reason. But he that believeth not is condemned already. What what has the person done? Have they gone out and robbed a bank or snatched a purse or killed somebody? No, they haven't done a thing. By nature, they don't believe. They don't want God. And so the scripture is telling you that they're under God's condemnation. Not man's, God's condemnation. He that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And then he gives you the reason why people are like that. Verse 19, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and that's the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel come into the world and men love darkness rather than light and men hate the gospel they hate the Lord Jesus Christ why? because their deeds are evil now these are a few things that you need to know about God to understand him 
plus our God is sovereign and has all power in heaven and earth. Now, no person on earth has an excuse for not knowing God. Does the Bible tell you that? Yes. Look at Romans 1, verse 19. Start with verse 19. Romans 1. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it. And what's he showed them? Well, the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen. He's saying that God created everything out of nothing. They're absolutely invisible. But here you are. You're walking on them. You're observing everything that God made just by looking around. You have no excuse. God made what you see being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power in Godhead, so that they're without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. But just knowing about God, like through creation, is not salvation. Besides understanding God, you must know him. You must know his voice and follow him. And he says that's exactly what his sheep do in John 10, verse 4 and 14. John 10, verse 4 and 14. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Verse 14. I am the good shepherd, and know my sheep, and am known of mine. So you must hunger, and uh, you must come to Christ, and uh, because you must, he's going to encourage you to do it. Look at John 6 and verse 37. John 6 and 37. All that the Father giveth me, shall do what? Shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I'll in no wise cast out. Now, when a sinner does see their need of coming to Christ, they've also seen their filthy, vile nature that they have. And they're going to question in their mind, would God even accept a person as vile as I am? Our Lord Jesus Christ gives any kind of sinner, no matter how vile, how dirty, how good, how nice, he gives them encouragement to come. He says, And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. So you must hunger and thirst for Christ, who is our righteousness. Uh, Look at Matthew 5 and verse 6. Uh, That's in what we call the Beatitudes, and it uh, it's just very, very simple. It's saying that you've got to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Verse five, uh, verse 6 in Matthew 5, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Well, you and I know that our righteousness is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he is the only righteous one. And God has made him to be our righteousness. In fact, you can see that yourself. It's 1 Corinthians 1.30. 1 Corinthians 
but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. You know, some people think that when uh, when they're saved, that uh, God gives you uh, your your little portion of the Spirit, and you got to hold on to it, and you got to just live the best you can, and uh, I hope that you hold out. It don't work like that. Our righteousness remains with the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our righteousness by faith. God knows our heart. God knows uh, what's going on in your life. But Christ is our righteousness. That's why it says if you hunger and thirst after him, you will have eternal life. And uh, we, we can sum this eternal life in Christ in by John uh, 17 and verse 3. John 17 and verse 3. And this is eternal life, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Now, in our scripture in Jeremiah 9.24, God said that things that he, he delights in is loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness. Well, first of all, who is this Lord? The Lord is the sovereign God of the universe. The name Lord is used some 7,000 times in the Old Testament, referring to the Almighty God who has all power in heaven and earth. And uh, even that old King Nebuchadnezzar stated it as clear as can possibly be stated in Daniel 4, verse 34 and 35. Daniel 4. Ezekiel, Daniel. Daniel follows that book of Ezekiel, so it should be easy to find. Daniel 4, verse 34. Now, you should know the story of Nebuchadnezzar, probably one of the greatest kings the earth has ever known, most powerful. But he was proud in heart like any other person is, and the Lord had to humble him, had to bring him down, because he was one of God's elect. God saved old Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, he put him out to pasture. For seven years, he was out with the cattle in the field eating grass. Okay? But when the Lord gave him his mind back, here's what he says in verse 34. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven, and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? That's telling you about our sovereign God. Now see how God himself uses his name, Lord, in uh, Isaiah 40 and verse 28. Look at Isaiah 40 and verse 28. 
Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard? That the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary. There is no searching of his understanding. What's that mean? It means that you with all of your <clears throat> your wisdom, all of your education, no matter how deeply or how long you search to learn about God, you can't do it. The only information you will get from God is in his word. And uh, we've got to see him and even to understand him even better. Uh, Isaiah 42, verse 5. Isaiah 42, verse 5. Thus saith the Lord, thus saith God the Lord, he that created the heavens and stretched them out, he that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, for he giveth breath unto the people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein, he says, I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness, and will hold thine hand and keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. Is it saying that he's going into jail now and let out all the rapists and the murderers and the robbers? No, no, no. Spiritually speaking language, you and I were held prisoner by Satan until the Lord Jesus Christ by his spirit uh, overcome the strong one and brought us out of the prison, opened our blind eyes, and gave us light to see. Now, this God, this Lord, shows up in the New Testament in Luke 2, verse 11. Luke 2, verse 11. Up until this point, everybody was looking forward for this Lord of the Old Testament to come upon the scene. In verse 11, down in a little town called Bethlehem, it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ, what? The Lord. This is the Lord of the Old Testament. This is the Jehovah of the Old Testament being born in the city of Bethlehem. And uh, in his life, what do we find he has? How do we know that this was God? We look at Matthew 28, 18. In Matthew 28, 18, our Lord and it's one of his last things that he tells the disciples as he leaves for heaven. He says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power. And uh, our Lord is coming again in exalted glory. He left. He was crucified. He died, he was buried, he rose again the third day. You see, these things, God gives a believer faith to not only to believe it, but to live it. This is our life. This is our thinking capacity. This is, this is our all in all. Our Lord Jesus Christ died, paid with his blood our sin debt, but he died for us, not for himself. And then he rose again the third day to be our intercessor, but also to promise us a new body like his. 
So he's coming again to be exalted. Look at it, Revelation 19, verse 16. Revelation 19, 16. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That ought to tell you something. So now you know who the Lord is. You know who the Lord is now. And if you want to look at it again, look at Romans 5 and verse 1. Romans 5 and verse 1 is going to tell you our Lord Jesus Christ is our God. Romans 5.1 Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in our scripture in Jeremiah, there were some things he said he delights in. Well, let's see what he delights in. First of all, exercising loving kindness. Now, there's a reason for loving kindness, and it's given to us in Jeremiah the 31 3. Let's look at Jeremiah 31 3. Your uh, Bible ought to just about fall open to that page because we go there so often. It's basic. It tells you that God has set his eternal love upon a sinner. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, and everlasting means eternal. So because God does love the sinner, when their time frame comes around, now here, it's been 2,000 years since our Lord was born, but here we are, 2,000 years later, our time frame is here, and said, therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. It goes back to an eternal love that God has to all of his chosen sinners. And uh, that is what is stated right here. Then love between the Father and the Son gave that group of elect sinners to the Lord Jesus Christ before the world was created. Um, look at John 17, verse 6. John 17 and verse 6. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Well, that's good. How about verse 24? Here's our Lord Jesus Christ just thanking the Father again for giving him a people. He loves those he died for so intently that he's going to not only ask the Father, he's going to say, this is my will. I want those people with me. Watch. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory. And the glory of Christ is something that we ought to meditate upon. Day after day, hour after hour, Meditate upon the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ because he is glorious. He is our God. I imagine one sight. Now see, we see him by faith now. But when we see him with our eyes, one sight of the Lord Jesus Christ will thrill us forever. But it won't have to last that long because we're going to be with him forever. 
Now, how does the Lord exercise loving kindness? This is by drawing the sinner to him. He said that in Jeremiah 31, 3. And then our Lord emphasizes that in John 6, 44. In John 6, 44, it's almost as if the Lord, knowing that scripture in Jeremiah, was just kind of bringing it to their mind. He says, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I'll raise him up at the last day. Uh, now, his love is shown by giving his Son. And, of course, you all know John 3.16. So back up a couple of pages, and we're going to see that it was a, a gift. If he gives, all the sinner can do is receive for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And the word perish is in there, not just because there might be an outsider somewhere who might, uh, might be a, a, a murderer or a whoremonger or something like that. No. It's letting you know that everybody on the face of the earth is going to perish if they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how serious it is. This isn't just a little scripture to run over. Oh, God loves everybody. God loved the world of believers. He doesn't love the whole world. In John 17, 9, he says, I pray not for the world, for this system, for this religion, no, when it talks in John 3.16, it's God loved the world of believers. The world outside of Israel, every nation, every language, every color of people, there will be believers. And that's what's included here. And they only will have eternal life. Everybody else going to perish. Which means they will be cast into hell to suffer forever and forever. See, that's the bottom line of the, of the suffering. That's the bottom line of sin. Sin has punishment attached to it, and the Bible tells you what sin is. In fact, it goes beyond our understanding what sin is. This is even the very thought of foolishness is sin. Telling jokes is a sin. Okay, the Lord Jesus Christ has paid our sin debt. First John 4, verses 9 and 10. Very, very comforting, wonderful scripture in the back of the Bible. First John 4, telling you about Christ dying for sinners. 9 and 10. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What's propitiation mean? Big word, huh? It means the acceptable sacrifice. God accepted the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, 
Now, his loving kindness is that he did it for us. His delight from eternity was to show his loving kindness to mankind, especially to those that believe. Uh, let's look at 1 Timothy 4.10. 1 Timothy 4.10. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those that believe. How is he the Savior of all men? Well, I tell you what. The world is full of sinners. Their sin demands their punishment. But God lets them live. That's his mercy to mankind. But he has special grace and mercy to those that believe. It's God's choice. He does what he wants with those that he owns, creates. People don't like God being able to choose, but he does. People hate the sovereignty of God. They don't like to hear this. They want to hear that man has control. That man can uh, believe whenever he wants to. He can do whatever he wants to. If he wants to accept Jesus, he can. If he don't want to, he don't have to. Hey, it doesn't work like that. There's a lot of believers out there who said one time in their mind, I don't want to believe and I'm not going to. Like the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was a great killer of believers. He hated followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. He hated them to the degree that he would travel into enemy territory, Damascus, up in Syria, enemies of Israel, to chase down Jewish believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how much he hated them. But the Lord saved that old boy and made him probably the greatest of uh, preachers. And we have his words in the scriptures telling us and teaching us about the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that was about God's exercising loving kindness. Now, how does he exercise judgment? He says, because he says that delights him also. Well, if our Lord has no pleasure in the death of the wicked, and he says that in Ezekiel 18.23, then what is this judgment that gives the Lord delight? Now, think about it. He says he delights in judgment. Our Lord Jesus Christ taking our place as our substitute on Calvary's cross, the wrath of God against our sin that was imputed to Christ falling upon the body and soul of our blessed Lord was the judgment that gives God delight. Why? Because it's what saved you and me. God loves the people he gave to Christ. The judgment fell on the Lord Jesus Christ and that delighted the Father that it freed you and me. Uh, look at Isaiah 53.10. That'll kind of explain it to you. Isaiah 53.10. This is kind of hard for a normal person to understand, but only a believer can. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. 
And when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. That's what it says. His love to us, redeemed sinners, is as great as his love to his son. Does the Bible say that anywhere? Well, look at John 17, verse 23. John 17, 23. And we may have to close it down here. I see our time is running out. John 17, 23. Our Lord is speaking things that are so mysterious about God himself indwelling a believer. He says, I and them, and thou and me, it's the Father in Christ, and Christ says, I and the believer, the Father in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and now look at, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. When did it start? Well, from the foundation of the world. You see the last part of verse 24? For thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. And if God the Father loved believers as much as the Son, then he loved them from the foundation of the world too. That's God's prerogative. To set his love upon a certain number of sinners. And then this is his way to draw them in by preaching. By having some old sinner stand up in front of you and read the scriptures and pray that God's Spirit will make it real to your heart because the words of a person isn't going to do it. No matter what I would say or do or beg, I can't get anybody to be a believer but one word by God's Spirit taking it home to your heart is all that needs to be done. Brother Hale has a song, One Word From Thee. So we'll close, we'll uh, continue on tonight telling you why God just delights in, uh, in, uh, in drawing, in everlasting love, in uh, judgment, in righteousness. It's all about our God. And you know, every single one of us are involved. There's no such thing as somebody just listening to this and saying, well, I'm not involved. You are. The children here, each child here, is just as involved as any of us adults. They have got to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ being God, being the Creator, being their substitute. They have got to learn that they are sinners, that they need to have a substitute. But who can do that? Who can teach them? Only God's Spirit. And the